I never ever thought that I'm talking about No Simple Road. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it would go 87 episodes. Like, yeah, I, I just was following the fun, you know, and it's kept going. And at this point, like, I feel like because I get older, I feel this like urge to want to leave something that means something mm-hmm. behind. And I feel like this could be it for me. Like yeah. that thing that I, uh, they'll always have these conversations to hear. And yeah. Jasper be able to hear grandpa rambling and smoking pot on the porch. And, and that's cool. And I'm okay with that being the thing because you know what? I don't, I'm, I'm proud of our family for, for doing what we're doing and, and, you know, what better thing to leave behind than an audio documentary of the fun that you had? My daddy wants you to know a lot of the episodes have mostly clean language, but this episode has some words in it that aren't meant for all ages. So, if you have kids like me in your house, you may want to put some headphones on for this one. You've been warned. Done, done, done. Gaka, go on. Ongiatori, which is welcome in Basque. Basque, I think, is how you pronounce it. B-A-S-Q-U-E, which is a language used in northern Spain and southern France. So, new language. I have... Basquiat, maybe, which is part of that? I have no idea. I am very ignorant, but in some things I'm not. And let me tell you some of those. One of them is my name. I am Tim Wheaton. I am the host and the creator of the Daddy Unscripted podcast. I am probably throwing some of you off a little bit because of the foreign language usage. I will just quickly say I do that in every episode just to give you guys a little bonus of information to take home or just leave behind, whatever you want to do with it. But today, my guest, who I am thrilled to have this episode on and to have recorded with, is Aaron of the No Simple Road podcast, which is another fellow podcast in the Osiris Podcast Network. What do you know? But Aaron is a dad and recently just became a grandfather And you'll hear it at the very end of the podcast when I am kind of gushing about how excited I was about the conversation and how much I enjoyed it and how close I felt that we had gotten over just this episode and this conversation alone. And I just felt like Aaron was one of those guys that we really connected with. We have a lot in common And he's just a great guy. If you are able to, you really should check out the No Simple Road podcast, which not only has Aaron on it. I mean, Aaron is amazing and awesome as it is, but you also get his wife, you get his friend, you get his son, you get his nephew, and at times you get other family members. And on every episode, pretty much, you're getting an awesome guest that they are talking with as well. And from the first time that I listened to their podcast, and I say this to him during this episode, but I just, I was so involved and was so into it and just felt like I was part of it and was on their porch with them, which even if I didn't know they were on a porch, that's kind of the way I would describe it probably is them being on a porch. So 
I just want you guys to experience that if you are into that kind of thing, which you should be probably. There are great musicians and authors and artists that they have on their podcast. It's really cool. So I will just say that all of them together are just completely 100% genuine and natural and real and human. Like, it's just great. I, I love their podcast. So let me do a little bit of business here, which will be Aaron this time telling about his podcast. Hey now, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. No Simple Road is part of the Osiris podcast family. We're a weekly podcast that brings you in-depth and open, honest conversations with the musicians, artists, authors, and luminaries of the psychedelic jam band, improvisational music, and festival communities. We bring you inside the lives of the four of us that do this show, myself, Melanie, Apple, and Ryder. We bring you onto the porch and what it's like to live inside the long, strange trip. So if you like to laugh, if you like to have fun, if you like to learn stuff, come hang out with the No Simple Road crew on the porch and listen to No Simple Road on the Osiris Podcast Network. Okay, and before I go into this episode, I will just say also that the Osiris Podcast Network, as of today, it was announced, even though this is pre-recorded, so it's not actually live. So this happened a while ago when you're listening to this, but today is very exciting because Jambase announced their partnership with the Osiris Podcast Network today, and we all couldn't be more excited about that. And it's going to be a great thing moving forward for this podcast and other podcasts as well. So very exciting news. And while we are so excited, let's get right into this episode with Aaron of the No Simple Road podcast. So King Sunny Ade, he has an album that is, I I want to say that every song just kind of goes right into the next. Mm -hmm. And there are parts where you can... If you close your eyes, and I did this as a child, so I wasn't on anything, (laughs) but you close your eyes and you can just be transported to this place where you're like around a fire and there's all these like animals in the distance and just all the noises and everything. It's so real and gritty and just perfect. And that's the way I feel about you. Oh, wow, man. I I really appreciate that. You know, (laughs) it's funny, man, because like, it's such a happy accident. It, it, <laughs> our house is like wood floors and, and there's some brick and to do mm-hmm. it inside the house was just not really an option unless I wanted to like sequester myself in the basement by myself. Cause I started doing this just me, you know? Oh really? Yeah. And, and I was like, I don't want to be like stuck in the basement. I can't smoke a cigarette if I want to. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's bullshit. So, um, I sat out on the porch and then slowly but surely it became a thing. And I've heard what you said before and I listen to my show too. I, not for any like ego reason, but like yeah, yeah, half, yeah. half the time when you're doing a podcast, like I forget what I even talked about an mm-hmm. hour after I talked to them. And I'm like, I, I just talked to O'Teal. 
Mm -hmm. I want to know what I said. Yeah, yeah. So I listen too as a listener. And it is cool, man. I I like it. I'm like, wow, you hear the dog drinking and yeah. Apple's burping and throwing his cup down and like it it's cool, man. I, I so I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Of course. It's that perfect amount of it too, because like there will be the ones and I tell people who get the whole music thing, like I can't listen to audience recordings for the most part. Most of them just hurt my ears. And so I've always been a soundboard snob. And so I kind of treat my podcast that way. Um, Okay. See, I dig the audience recording. I love hearing that dude talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Or the guy going woo or, you know, whatever. I I love that. And yeah, so I guess it just kind of makes sense. The amount of the background true ambiance noise and everything <laughs> makes it like really cool to me so As the helicopter uh, flies by yeah 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 it's perfect yeah you know yeah. it it's um it's fun too it it adds something for us because when we're talking to somebody we always kind of leave a chair for them mm-hmm. out there and it really does feel like we're all just hanging out on the porch so it it helps me too to get over my my anxiety about talking to the people that we're talking to yeah yeah so so do you have old episode like if you go back into your old episodes are there ones of you just alone um the first episode is just me by myself out there okay just going at it for talking about what i thought the show was going to be which it's nothing like what i said yeah yeah and uh talking about getting turned on at my first grateful dead show I mean, it's obviously worthy to still listen to. That would, I'm. It sounds I'm so sorry, bad, though. but I'm. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. I totally know what you mean. Somebody, somebody put something on Twitter the other day, and they said, on a scale of one to ten, how bad was your first episode? And it's a two, or sound wise, it's a two or a three, man. It, yeah, it for me, it was funny because I really, I always wanted to do. Like people have always told me, oh, you should do radio. And I always thought maybe I would do it and stuff like that. And people have always said, like, you have this kind of whatever voice. And you have the voice. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. And so I went into that first episode, like, really, this is Tim Wheaton of oh. the Daddy, and, like, really going <laughs> for it. And uh, it was so bad. Like, I, I know what you mean. Like, I struggle going back and thinking about those first things but i'm glad it happened i right I'm, I'm stoked that it whatever happened has become this now i mean i wouldn't be talking to you and yeah I've had all these cool experiences so you know i'm super grateful for it and and nobody's born knowing how to podcast man i'm I oh, totally just figuring it out so what happened i'm I'm we're already in the episode so okay whatever I'll I'll figure out a way to <laughs> make this make sense for people but what happened to make that change or what kind of conversations were you having between episode 1 and whatever if even if it was number 2 where you're now out on the porch with everybody you know we live in a communal situation it's it's me my son who's 16 years old uh my nephew my wife and my best friend who we've been friends since I was 12. So we've been friends for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so doing anything in our house on your own is not an easy task. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a really uh, 
organic kind of a thing that happened. I mean, after my first podcast, I put it out. I released it. Mel and I went to the grocery store and I had a panic attack. I was like, oh my God, I just put out some really private stuff. And, you know, I, when you start a podcast, I thought thousands and thousands of people were going to be listening to it. What I mean is I got four downloads or something, but I'm at the grocery store freaking out. And I just kind of realized like, wow, you know, everything in our house is we're so honest with each other all the time and doing everything together. Like why wouldn't the next episode be the continuation of my story and our story as a family? Mm -hmm. So the next episode was how Apple got turned on to the dead. And then the next episode after that was Mel and I. So it just kind of went from there. That's cool. I can imagine it It would almost feel like, I don't know, I'm totally putting myself in your position, but that it would feel almost like guilty to not be including and having them in on it, kind of like you're having your dirty little secret yeah. in, the, in the basement without to- the totally. people that you love. Exactly. Well, not just that, but like, it wouldn't have made sense because those people are such a part of my world and me and who I am and what everything, all of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. It, it just wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to tell the story without them being here with me because they've been part of the story too. Yeah. That's awesome. In many ways, like to have that with so many people and be able to be afforded that opportunity to be in this house together is so so cool. I agree. I mean, it, you know, growing up, it, it wasn't like that for me. And I think because of how I grew up, when I got older, I really like hungered for that closeness, for having people around me that I could just be myself with and say everything to. And so I think there's at some point, as we're growing up, we start to become aware of our baggage more Mm -hmm. and wanting to do something about it. At least that's how I've found myself. Like I didn't want to just keep screwing up the same way I was screwing up. And so I really wanted that. Like we were living in Vegas, Mel, me, my daughter and my son. And after my daughter moved away, it just, the house kind of seemed empty and, we were toying with the idea of moving to Portland and my nephew was always at the house and Apple was always at the house. And we just started talking and it was like, well, why don't we do this together? We can pool our resources. We can have a better quality of life. Like let's do this as a family. And I I think it it really does stem from how I got brought up, man. Mm -hmm. Which makes a perfect segue. And we'll just, say really quickly that we are here with Aaron from No Simple Road. We'll do a I'll do a whole introduction before, cool. but we'll we'll go into all that. So you you just made it so perfect. So go back mm. to that to your childhood and then even like bringing your own paternal line into it. Okay. I you know I I have no idea what I'm yeah. getting pushing you into or it, anything like that just so. get ready no. <laughs> <laughs> you know in looking back like we all have our childhood right and mm-hmm. then adolescence and adulthood and whatever and you you have the hindsight of looking back on your life and it's your life and so it seems normal to you right but if i step outside of myself 
and I take an honest look at where I came from and the people that I was around and what I did as a kid and adolescence, nothing about my upbringing was normal. My mom was a trapeze artist. Oh, wow. And that's flew, all you had to say. I yeah, mean. that's it. I'm done. No, <laughs> yeah. She was a trapeze artist and, and uh, flew on the trapeze at Circus Circus from 1968 till the 80s. Wow. My dad was is a writer, producer, director, uh, you know, guy that was always on the hustle. Hmm. And uh, so just that by itself was super weird. Mm-hmm. But um, mom and dad got divorced when I was four. So we lived in California in the Palisades. And my first memory as a kid in thinking back is the day my mom left. Oh, wow. Like I, I remember it like like vivid picture memories of it. And that's like where everything started for me in my, right. in, in my memory bank, you know? Wow. And I remember them saying, like my mom saying, I'm moving back to Vegas. I'm leaving your dad. Like, who do you want to stay with? I'm a four-year-old kid. Like, what mm-hmm. do I know? Yeah, seriously. Oh, shit. So I stayed with my dad. So from the time I was four until geez, like 10 or 11, I lived in California with my, with my dad and it was moving around all the time, always ending up back in California. But like my dad would get a project and we'd go to, you know, Colorado for six months and live in a strange house and go to a strange school. And then Mm. Canada living in a hotel room and, and then back to California and like always moving around, never going to the same school twice. And like, never feeling that sense of home. Yeah. Like just never having that root where it's, you can hang up your clothes and that's your pillow and that's your bed, like not, never had it. And then, um, my mom enticed me as a kid was like, Oh, we're we're going to Lake Mead. You could hang out at circus circus, like all this, you know, I'm a kid. So I moved to Vegas and live with her and till the middle of middle school. Mm-hmm. And so both parents had gotten remarried by then. Oh, and, wow. And my stepmom, now things are going to get weirder. My stepmom was a like a supermodel at the time. <laughs> and my stepdad was Siegfried and Roy's manager. Oh, my goodness. So, so it's like <laughs> just always weird shit happening. Like at my dad's house, it was like choreographers and actors and hell's angels and like just odd people in and out of the house all the time and my mom's house was like you know siegfried and roy stuff and and trappings yeah just like never never like a moment of like yeah you're going to school and i made dinner and it's time for Mm -hmm. like never had that so it it was really tough man like in looking back on all of it I never was grounded as a, as an adolescent or even a a young kid. Like I never had that, like I said, that feeling of home and really bad animosity and fights with, with my step parents and never got along with either of them. Mm. And, uh, not to mention I was a little jerk. I, mm-hmm. I was a total schmuck as a kid, like junior high school started smoking pot and doing drugs and, and like, you know, just, a terrible kid. Yeah. So it was tough. And by the time I was 16, I was like bouncing back and forth between both of their houses and living with Apple and his mom and like 
by the time 17 rolled around, I was out of the house and, mm. living, and living with Apple full time. And that was in Vegas. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and uh, I had n- no frame of reference for what it meant to be a dad mm-hmm. or like my dad, don't get me wrong. We were like best friends, my mm-hmm. dad and I, and even through all of my stuff that I went through, I'll get into it with you if you want later, but like he was always supportive of me. He never like threw me out on the street. I was hell to deal mm-hmm. with, but he always had my back, but it was never that kind of parenting where like, this is how you do your taxes. This is how you pay a bill. You wash right. your clothes like this, like none of that stuff. So I didn't have any of that. I didn't know like, so when I had my own family, like all that stuff I had to learn on the fly. Yeah. Super tough. And were you an only child? <laughs> no. So, uh, all right. My mom, my, my, I have a sister. Okay. I, I actually, I have three sisters now, but at the time when I was a kid, I had one sister that I always thought was my sister, but it's not. She's my half sister. Oh, so, boy. and then I have five brothers. None of us have the same mom. We're all halves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's this crazy mix. And so that too was another dynamic that came in with like brothers coming and going and then moving back in with their moms mm-hmm. and all of this like constant upheaval and chaos, man. Wow. It was it was crazy. So I mean, I guess now that I'm talking about it with you, I. I the road kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In you know, the in hindsight, in how everything was kind of so crazy. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, never had that instruction. Like, and to my mom's credit, she was the one that like instilled in me: you can do whatever you put your mind to. Like, that's my mm-hmm. mom. My mom is all about like magic and belief and mm-hmm. and your mind and the power. So. I got that from her and I got my hustle from my dad. Mm-hmm. So it's a great mix now that I'm older and I'm didn't kill myself with drugs, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it was a, it was touch and go wow. big time. So is that taking place basically like while you are a teenager in Vegas or, and, and also like what is, being a youth and teenager like in Las Vegas or is, or is that just cliche for me to think that it would be totally different out there? I, you know, I don't, it was different. It it was very different. Vegas is a very transient place. People are coming and going from there all the time. So it's really hard to make friends. Mm -hmm. And when you do find them, they're few and far between, but they're good friends. Like, like I said, me and Apple have been friends for 30 years. Yeah. And um I was really into the punk rock scene in Vegas. That was my family hmm. growing up and it was just wild. Like nobody had supervision it seemed like. Like everybody's parents were gone and working cuz the casinos are there and everybody's working second shift or graveyard and asleep. So it was like everybody was kind of left to fend for themselves. So I think that in that Vegas is very unique for people that are growing up, you know. Yeah, it would seem like a lot of you would be in that same kind of boat, like you were saying, of my parents work at this casino and Mm -hmm. my mom's a cocktail waitress here and my dad 
uh, not to let's break the boundaries. And my dad works at Thunder Down Under. <laughs> totally <laughs> right. Yeah. Instead of only saying it's the women, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, and it it left a a really big opening for for us to to do whatever the hell we wanted. And drugs were such a huge part of that. Like it, at first it was, you know, smoking pot and stuff like that, but it quickly became a lot more than that as mm-hmm. I, as I got into high school and two of my older brothers were, um, heroin addicts. Wow. And the one brother that I'm closest to now, as a matter of fact, my, my one brother passed away a few years ago, but, both of them were heroin addicts and taking acid all the time and snorting Coke. And like, mm-hmm. so it was like, that's who I was with all the time. So that's where I ended up. Yeah. It's tough to, especially with your brothers. I mean, that's a, that tax on a whole nother level of like who you are surrounded mm-hmm. by and what they are doing. I mean, you talk about peer pressure for kids and oh, it's brutal. If it's coming from within your own family, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. The the first time I ever took acid was with my brothers, and I didn't even know what acid was. They were like, if you want to go to the movies with us, you have to eat this piece of paper. Oh, God. And I went, I did, and I went and saw Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And Oh, boy. Yeah, it was a <laughs> quite the... And I was 12, man. Jeez. And 12 you are seeing him pull... A human heart mm-hmm. out, yeah, it was, on acid as mm-hmm. a twelve-year-old. Wow. Yeah, and so, like I said, in talking to you and thinking about, it, I mean, it all kind of makes sense. But you know, I, if if now me went back and saw a kid that was like me, then I would have said that kid's going to be dead by the time he's twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way he's <laughs> no chance. But yeah. Melanie, Melanie is the the angel in the story that like really turned it around for me, which is awesome that that was presented to you at obviously a time in your life when you probably were headed in another direction. I was, I was on the way out. Yeah. Like quite literally on the way out. I, I, uh, I was homeless. Um, I had gone to school to be a surgical assistant because I was working in the hospital mm. and as an ENT and all that stuff. And it just, I was a functional addict. Like I was shooting heroin every day and going to school and getting straight A's and oh, wow. doing the thing and got out and got a job and got fired for getting high at work and blowing mm-hmm. it. And, um, was on the street for a while and, uh, pretty close to my end. Like, I had tried a couple of attempts on my life and been not been successful, obviously. And she and I had known each other before I had gotten her a job at the hospital and whatever, but I hadn't seen her in months. And, uh, there was one day I was walking down the street and I was going to meet one of my brothers coincidentally. And, uh, I was just kind of like, I'm not a, you know, a believer in, God in the traditional sense, but like mm-hmm. I'm walking down the street just praying. I'm like, look, either you need to get me the hell out of this or you need to let me die. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't do this anymore. And I stepped off the curb and almost got hit by a car and it was Mel. And, wow. and she was crying and I'm like, what, 
what's up? What are you doing? She's like, I've been driving around looking for you. And I hadn't seen her in months, man. No and, way. Yeah, way. Seriously. And um, I, I'm like, what are you talking about? And she she had been going to this Christian church at the time. And she's like, we were praying last night. And I just knew I had to come find you. And I've been driving around looking for you. You need to come with me. And like, I'll let you take a shower and you can get clean and blah, 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 blah. And so I didn't go. I took her phone number because it freaked me out, man. That was, yeah. that's, that's, I'm a, sure. that's a real like <laughs> miraculous freaking thing to happen. Like, yeah. That's not common. And, um, but I ended up obviously calling her and it was really strange, man. It, to that point in my life, it just seemed like everything was, was kind of at an end. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like I felt like, um, there was a light at the end of the tunnel and I, I didn't really know it in the front of my mind at the time, mm-hmm. but, but in looking back, like I started kind of caring and we weren't romantic at all. We were friends. Just, yeah. She was just helping this groungy Vegas punk rock deadhead junkie <laughs> out. And, yeah. uh, I was actually staying at a, at a homeless shelter and we were, we had been, kind of hanging out for about a month. The timeline's kind of fuzzy now, but like we're driving back to the homeless shelter one night and she says, you know, I think you and I are going to end up getting married. And I looked hmm. over at her and I was like, are you out of your mind? Like <laughs> you do, you, I will nuke your life. Like, <laughs> crazy woman. And she had a little girl, like a two year old little girl. And, and the dad had bailed on her and like, I didn't know anything about raising a kid or having, you know, any of that. I'm like, you're nuts. Two weeks later, mm-hmm. we got married. Two weeks later. No way. Yep. Wow. <laughs> We've been wow. married 21 years. <laughs> wow. That is astounding. So she's awesome. Yeah. So I like her. Yeah. She's cool. <laughs> that is crazy, though. That is like, I mean, obviously, all of that is insane the serendipitousness of that meeting or mm-hmm. however you want to you know miraculous serendipitous uh i'm like i was just sitting there with my mouth wide open while you're telling that story <laughs> me too <laughs> and it happened to me I, when i tell people about it i'm like are they gonna feel like i'm lying because like, this shit's real but yeah yeah mm, yeah it's 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 crazy and now it doesn't the grateful dead have that lyric you know see here how everything leads up to this day Mm -hmm. and i just that's it over and over again yeah (laughs) you know everything led up to that and now everything led up to now and it just makes sense what a perfect name for your podcast then oh and that's a mistake too (laughs) <laughs> a, a lovely one <laughs> i i was trying to be cool and like use a grateful dead lyric and was trying to say no simple highway and i said no simple road <laughs> and i didn't catch it and it went out and i was like uh okay well that's amazing that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> happy accidents man yeah yeah print me 10,000 t-shirts and make them all say no simple road. Yeah. <laughs> I, meant, I meant highway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you already set those to print? Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> At that time, how old are you? 
uh, when Mel and I got together, I was 26 and she okay. was, she was 19. Wow. And had a two year old little girl and completely saved your life. Yeah. And, and like, don't get it twisted, man. Like when we got together, I didn't miraculously get healed. Oh, like, I'm sure. I was a complete dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, so much in the first, like, I don't know, I guess two to three years that we were together, I was really good at being a dad, mm-hmm. but really bad at being a husband. Mm-hmm. Like, just awful. Didn't know how to tell the truth. Like, tried to hide everything from her, even though I didn't have to, just out of habit and shame and like all my whatever stupid baggage I had. But my daughter, Sydney, like, it, she just, it made sense to me to take care of her. And it was just easy. Like, Mel always says, I can't believe it when I think back, I would go to work and I'm leaving my little baby girl with this homeless junkie in my house. Like, but it was just so easy and perfect. And like, I love that part of the beginning of our life together, like cooking for my daughter and like getting her dressed for bed and like reading stories and hanging Mm -hmm. out, watching cartoons and all that stuff. It just, I don't know if like the part of me that wanted so badly to have a normal childhood, like, came up subconsciously and tried to give her that, mm-hmm. you know, but it just made sense to me. Well, and having a two to five year old was probably the absolute perfect age for yeah. you to be dealing with at that time too. Why do you say that? Just thinking like if it's a, if it was a teenager that you were dealing with. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, you would have like probably been running for the Hills immediately. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> or one of you would have. Yeah. I mean, the t- I would assume the tensions, like while you're trying to kind of piece things back a little bit for yourself and even allow somebody else to try to help you do that, like the any kind of struggles that are even somewhat logical, you know, because you're because kids at that age, like like you were saying, when you're four years old and you're mom is saying who do you want to live with like you know all that other stuff like the road with kids at that age is more easily manipulated i guess Mm, not in like a deceitful or uh malevolent way but the way that you can just kind of it's a little bit more loose and i think that that probably suited you at that time a lot better yeah yeah and i think to having someone that trusted me yeah not and and i mean sydney my daughter yeah yeah having somebody that trusted me because she didn't know she didn't know i you know nothing until until a little later she knew stuff was going on but like she know and she just loved me and i was dad and that was Mm -hmm. it and it was just unconditional and it it really helped to change the game for me. And not to mention, I mean, I'm not mentioning everything that Mel did too. I mean, putting up with all my crap and, you know, being there through it and Mm -hmm. dealing with all that too. I think it really served to, to show me that like there are good people in the world and not everybody's going to leave you. 
and you need to be there for these people and and be the best kind of you you can possibly be and take all that stuff that happened and use it to to help you have a better life you know instead of letting it drag you down yeah and what the one word that you said right there too unconditional like that childlike faith in somebody else and love obviously but acceptance and faith i'm sure did a lot of work on your insides and your emotions that you may not have even been aware of at the time yeah i when you said that like i picture like a river running underground like it was doing the work and i had no idea it was even Mm -hmm. happening and then you know i think the real like when i finally decided like okay you know what i'm done with dope it 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 had been a really long pardon the pun it had been a long road for us and we were close to calling it quits i had gone to rehab for the i think it was the second time i'm not sure Mm -hmm. and and come back and split and was just blowing it and I ended up coming back to Vegas and we had only been back together a short time. I was like driving a limo and whatever. And, Mm. and Mel uh, got pregnant with our son and that was, that did it for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I, in my own head thinking to myself, we're bringing another person into this situation, a completely innocent bystander to all of this that didn't ask to be here. And didn't ask to have a junkie for a dad. Like, I'm done. I'm getting mm-hmm. my shit together. And that's that was when like I really started taking my stuff more seriously and trying to get out of it, you know? Yeah. That's that's awesome. Like I I know that with some of that stuff comes the regret and comes the shame and whatever, but like what what you did and yes like with the help of others and all of that not at all to negate what everybody else did and especially what mel did for you but making that making those kind of choices and you know manning up to i i'm kind of shaking my head at myself for using that phrase but no i get um you know stepping up to the plate and and choosing to abandon something that was probably extremely comfortable for you for a long time to do what you needed to do is huge. Like that is definitely something that you should take pride in. If I'm sure you do, but I don't, you know what? I don't think about that very much anymore. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of my life and it's my story and all that. But in my day to day, like that stuff, isn't really it's almost like a lifetime ago yeah and kind of yeah. in a weird sort of a way it seems like it happened to somebody else yeah yeah because i'm so different now like in the midst of all that before i met mel i had i feel like i had like a cat like nine lives i you know i in the punk rock scene in vegas and then getting turned on to the grateful dead and after my first show 
selling all my stuff and buying a school bus and going on the road and like that's amazing all, all this stuff like learning how to tattoo and doing that for a while and going to school to be a surgical assistant and driving limos and dri- <laughs> driving ambulances mm-hmm. and like i talk to people at work and they're like yeah i went to high school and then i went to college for a while and then I, you know I'm, now i do now i do telecommunications i'm like wow well let me tell you man yeah yeah sit down yeah have a seat but <laughs> but all that stuff, like it really made the super rich life that, mm-hmm. that now like I'm sitting as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting on my front porch and I'm looking out over this amazing sunset over the, the Willamette Valley. Like it's what more can somebody want? You know what I mean? And yeah, the money isn't a thing. And the, accolades and conversations with musicians and whatever whatever i got my family here with me man Mm -hmm. there's food in the fridge i'm alive (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) i'll take it yeah it sounds like after that like i mean not only that those base things are so fantastic but yeah anytime you come back from that kind of a brink and it's funny, like you talk, people talk a lot about money bringing you happiness and, you know, how the difference of uh, wealth in income and possessions as opposed to the basics. And yeah, what you have right there is a friggin' gold mine and something that you can't, you can't take that away. Like Mm-mm. you can lose your job, you can, totally your car, whatever, all that stuff. But what you have right there is the coup de grace of life, really. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, don't, don't misunderstand. <laughs> I would love to have a million bucks in the bank. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I have no problem if that happened, but from where I'm sitting, like I, I really do like finally at, at 47 years old, I can honestly say like, I do not have a hole in my heart. I do mm-hmm. not have, I'm not like striving to prove anything to anybody or make anything like, like with no simple road, it, it, that whole thing has happened because I love music and we as a family do that together mm-hmm. and not because we're trying to get famous or anything. It's just part of what we do. And, and so I think understanding that, you know, money's fine, whatever, but those things are the important things. And I, I think not having all that for so long really has instilled that in me now that I do have it because Mm -hmm. when it's not there, you sure do feel it, man. When you're walking around the streets of Vegas at three o'clock in the morning and it's cold outside and you have nowhere to go and you just want to go home and cover up like that's a really shitty feeling yeah and just being able to drive home after work like of course i have tons of days where i'm like screw this i don't want to do this anymore i'm Mm -hmm. driving in traffic this sucks but if i'm honest with myself like this is what everybody really wants in the end yeah and and so many who don't know it, sadly, like so many who are chasing whatever it may be that they think is going to fulfill them and, you know, 
you hear all the stories and some of them are so cliche about the people who are just trying to fill this bottomless pit and some of them that are the wealthiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've known some of those people and I'm sure your, your dad probably knows some of those people or my dad is one of those people. Oh yeah, man. He's, it's so hard to even like wrap my mind around. He's, been up and down so many times in life. I've seen him with millions of dollars in the bank and living in Beverly Hills, driving a Rolls Royce. And I've seen him at the complete other end of that spectrum Mm -hmm. several times in life. And that too, I think has really made an impact on, on where my priority lies. Like Mm -hmm. I really don't want to be that like that. I don't want to you know, just that's so hard. And he's, he's still around. He's 84 years old and, mm. and, um, he's really bitter with life. You know, he, every time I, when I talk to him, he says, I, I was Mr. Who's who now I'm Mr. Who's he. And oh, that gosh. sucks, man. You know, yeah. I, and I just, I would rather be with the people that love me and pay attention to them. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> totally would rather do that, man. Cause everything else is really transient. Yeah. And that's that right there is like, and not to rake your dad over the coals. No, at no, all, but cool. that's, I, I think that would be the thing that I would fear the most is being at that stage of my life. Even here at 46, just looking back and being bitter like that and uh, wanting something that I don't even know, like isn't there and maybe was and is intangible really like, and also is so dependent on what recognition or, Mm -hmm. you know, something that you kind of don't really have control over. Yeah. I don't know. He, it's, it's so hard to, to reconcile that like to because he's my dad you know and i love him and it's really hard to reconcile the two people that i know that i've seen in him the the up guy and the down guy like it's it's hard to 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 watch it and like i'm not in a financial position to do anything about it and right mel and i talk about it all the time like god i wish i could just move him up here and like move him in with us Mm -hmm. we can't and i think for my kids i we've always been super honest with them about where we're coming from just because of the nature of our life together how it started and how it's been Mm -hmm. so there was really no no way to like i don't know uh, fake the funk with them yeah yeah they've seen it all you know and so in a lot of ways I feel like I'm doing them a service where they're going to get the genuine me all the way through and they're never, I'm never going to put them in that position where they're going to have to see me at my worst when I'm 80, whatever years old. Mm -hmm. And I think that says something about all the experiences that we have in our lives, because you can let that kind of stuff really make you bummed out and depressed i could really easily be really sad about all that but i can also on the other hand just love my dad for who he is and Mm -hmm. and use that in my own family as like 
okay, that's not what's happening. I'm going to do something different and use it as a tool. Yeah. That's, I guess that's all we can do. Yeah. And like, you've got this, even if it is had its peaks and its valleys, like this enriched life that you have, that you have as your structure or your base, even though it's like something that has taken such gigantic turns is I think, you know, you you talk about those people that you talk at work with who kind of have this unidirectional life that has just kind of not had these experiences, even though they may not have ever been walking the streets of Vegas, but like what that enables you to teach your kids and other people and kind of speak with a, I don't know, with, with more experience and more weight Mm. to what you are saying, I think is, is really a big piece of that. And I've always kind of thought of that. I've always said that I've lived a lot of lives before mine as well. And for me, I work with a lot of younger people and I used to years ago as well. And being able to talk from some experience with them, I think, you know, even if it's a couple people in your life, and I've talked about this a bunch recently with other people, but even the few lives that you are enriching with what your experiences were like that is also part of that road for you you know oh, wow yeah you know it, and not to like my experiences in my life are my own alone I, that's my trip my mm-hmm. road. everybody has their own trip and their own thing that they've gone through and their own struggles and not to, I'm not saying like what I've been through is better or any of that. Like it's just mine. That's all. And that's what I know. And those guys at work that, you know, I just went to college and man, good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. You you didn't have to eat out of a garbage can. Like fucking right on bro. And I I think part of where I, I've ended up, it's, it's, it's so weird to be 47 and for me and step out of myself and Mel and I were just talking about this the other day. It's very strange when you start to see yourself Mm -hmm. and you start to see the effect that you have on people, even like just in a simple conversation or, or with a podcast, like all the way through the spectrum. It's really weird. And like you said, I, I do see that in with me like i i understand that i can speak from a really weird different place of experience than other people mm-hmm. and so at this point in my life having the ability to step out of myself and see that like why not use that why not yeah. why not take that and like connect people and build community because like i said at the beginning of this i never had that and so if I can do that now, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Like I get to I get to heal all of that emotional trauma from my younger life and help other people too. Like that is wow, that's super cool. Yeah. 
And and it's a huge tool for you. Not that you like are actively trying to go out and use it, but you know the people that you are dealing with and talking to and directly or through the podcast or whatever it may be, it doesn't have to be that they are having these kinds of experiences that you had or whatever, like everybody's threshold is different. That was Mm -hmm. one of the big things that I learned decades ago is, you know, your walking on the street threshold may have been, you know, somebody having a fight with their boyfriend to somebody else on a test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that is their nine out Mm -hmm. of 10. Like that is close to their rock bottom. And that doesn't mean anything different for the two of you. It just means that there are people that are hurting in different ways. And that these little things that, that we can do as humans period. Yeah. In our conversations and in our experiences with other people can do so much for somebody who we may or may not know is at that nine or 10. Yeah. And it's funny because with with my son, he's seen quite a lot in in his years with us, and he's such a unique human being. Like as a kid, I remember him telling my wife and I, "I chose you guys." Like when he was like three, mm-hmm. I chose you guys before I was born. I picked you guys to be my mom and dad, oh. and like saying, "You guys made me with your love," and like weird stuff like that he's always been this very just different super cool human Mm -hmm. being and so in in watching him grow up now in the environment that we've cultivated Mm -hmm. it's really amazing to see him starting because he's 16 right so for me that's kind of when i just barely started becoming a little bit self-aware Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a touch mm-hmm. and to see him like opening up and realizing the environment that he's in and starting to use it for his benefit it's exactly what you're saying like sometimes just being around it is enough like his his threshold is completely different than mine yeah and he's been through his his stuff but i see it working itself out in him and it's the it's the coolest show i've ever seen yeah and my daughter too man like she was this amazing student like i had her on the show a couple of times and one of the times we had her on the show she was like you know mom and dad how i rebelled against you guys was by doing really good in school (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah yeah and and so like she was like this awesome student and into dance and acting and all this stuff and you know, I just figured she's going to go to college and do her thing. And she came to us and she's like, Hey guys, um, I'm not going to college. I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to become an actress and a model. Hmm. And I'm like, Oh no, every awful thought in the world goes through my head. Yeah. From what you've seen. Yeah. But she went out there and she has created an amazing life for herself. Mm -hmm. She's met, an awesome family of people that she's surrounded herself with that have her back. She's successful. She just gave birth to our grandson. Like it it couldn't have gone better. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, 
I, at this point, like I said, I'm sitting watching the sunset. Like, I guess all of it is worth it in the end. And, and we're not even done. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the awesome. That's the awesome thing is you have so much to see and experience and still see your son go through and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing kid, man. He, um, he's coming into his own. And, and I remember going through these changes when I was a teenager and realizing that the world is much bigger than I thought it was and that other people know stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> is a hard realization. And, but I see it playing out in like as many me and it's weird. Apple says it to me all the time. He goes, when I hang out with Simon, man, I feel like I'm hanging out with you when you were 16, but mm. like better. Mm-hmm. Like, like without all the emotional nightmare. Yeah. With two loving parents that are in one home and yeah. in a completely different, I mean, Oregon to Vegas, like <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. doesn't get much different than that. Yeah. Yeah. It, this moving here was, uh, a huge game changer, man. I'm sure it, it was a for Mel. Like you could put Mel in New York City, and she mm-hmm. would be amazing. You could put her in Philadelphia. You could put her in Hawaii. Anywhere, mm-hmm. she's gonna she's gonna be awesome, no matter where she goes. No problem. But me, you you have me in Vegas. It it's like oil and water. They yeah. they don't mix. And I did 30 years there. And I just knew, I knew like, if I don't leave here, I'm not going to see 55. Mm -hmm. So we would, you know, when we started talking about moving, we, once we figured out that like riders coming with us, apples coming with us, we're going as a family, like we would sit and have these meetings in our backyard once a week and like, okay, what do we want it to look like? And it took a lot of work, man. And I, I couldn't have planned this better. Like mm-hmm. it was just all these weird coincidences and synchronicities and stuff happening that landed us where we're at and the house we're in and the neighborhood we're in with the people that we met. And I remember sitting on the porch out there in the backyard and telling Mel and Apple, like right now there's a house in Portland. That's our house. And it's, probably got somebody in it and they don't know that we're going to be living there. Mm-hmm. And there's people up there that are our friends that we haven't met yet. And I can't wait to get up there and find out what all of it looks like, you know? And it's just, it's been amazing. Yeah. So it's funny because I was thinking today after, and you know, I haven't listened to every single one of your episodes, I will admit, mm-hmm. um, but listening to a bunch of them and, you know, thinking of of where you guys are and obviously not the same exact path but i was thinking today if i had made a couple of different decisions in a different way earlier in my life like i could see myself in your same kind of situation like you know i was into the dead when i was 15 years old and i was i i I think you took some things like a a level uh, beyond what I did, but 
I was, my dad died when I was 17 and I like just dove in, like the dead community was what I needed, what I wanted. Mm. And I just like completely dove in at that point. And I was working at Tower Records and like all of my checks, there were a few of us deadheads that worked there and like, you know, however much of our checks were going to go into shows and mm-hmm. seeing them everywhere we could out here on the West and, you know, driving to Sacramento to see them in San Francisco. And I'll bet we were at shows together for probably sure. we were at, for I sure. was definitely at Vegas with you. Yeah. And I mean like Irvine Meadows, Cal Expo, yeah, um, the forum, all those shows. It, it, I was, I worked at a record store too at Odyssey records in Vegas and uh, all my money went to going to shows and driving yep. to LA and driving to Sacramento and same thing, man. And, it was such a, I don't know about you, but like I had been doing psychedelics for a while before mm-hmm. I got into the dead. I hated the dead, by the way, before. As a punk rocker. Yeah, I like just despised it. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. And Apple and I had been doing psychedelics for a couple of years. And, and when I went to my first dead show, I was, he, he wasn't with me. I was with a different group of friends. Mm-hmm. And it it rocked my world. Like I couldn't believe that there was other people that were doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, I want to know every inch of this place. I want (laughs) to know what the foundation is made of. I want to know what the paint is made from. I Mm want, (laughs) I want to know where they bought the furniture where, you know, and so that's why I went on tour and I, all the stuff I had been through, like I felt broken in a lot mm-hmm. of ways mm-hmm. and that grateful dead community and the lyrics put me back together. Yeah. So I feel like in a lot of ways, like this is going to sound super hokey and cheesy, but whatever, like Jerry was a dad to yep. me yep. In, in a lot of ways, man. You just gave me the chills because okay, well, good. I'm glad it didn't sound hokey. <laughs> no, not at all. Because I know a lot of people felt that way too. And a lot of people that, you know, you and I are basically the same age. Yeah. And a lot of people that were our age that I was friends with on tour. I mean, a lot of the girls like may have been thinking of it in a different way. Right. Not like the way that girls say daddy to people now, but right. um, they, you know, I know a lot of them were talking about Papa Jerry and, for me, like I remember being at a Cal Expo show in uh, in ninety in May of nineteen ninety, I believe it was. I and was there. No way! Like yep. it was like May sixth through eighth or something like that. I can't and remember. There was camping. But, I remember. Yep. Uh, I actually didn't camp because my brother was going to Davis, and I would I went up and stayed at his place at UC Davis and drove to the show every night. But uh, I remember I was like the second day, I think it was, I was right up close and I kept making eye contact with Jerry and I was, that like just changed my life. Isn't, isn't that weird? Yeah. Like what I've obviously thought about it for 30 years now and I've stopped trying to figure it out at this Mm -hmm. point and just let it be. But like in that space, at that at those shows there was a feeling that i have never ever felt anywhere else and it was so personal 
and yeah. so and so like visceral and real and spoke on such a deep level that it put my fractured mind back together mm-hmm. and and taught me how to talk again and think and move and like be a person and then when he died i f- lost my shit mm-hmm. i and this is all like in hindsight like i i don't think at the time i was even aware that that's what was going on i it was such a deep loss for me yeah and and a lot of people too i mean oh totally yeah it was that's when i started really like getting after it with heroin Mm. (laughs) and in uh an ironic way yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know yeah. that this just happened to my father figure who I love. So, so yeah, but I'm going to numb myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't have to feel any of this. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and I, in thinking about my son and all of that, like I've always wondered, he hates the grateful dead. Hmm. And, really? Well, he's well, okay. Apple, Apple said the other day, he's like, He's checking the bus out. He's kicking the tires, and, uh-huh. you know, but he's heard it so much, and he's heard me say it so much. Yeah, and it's just been such a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that he's just like, Ugh, really. But I will say this: he is coming to the gorge with us this year. Oh, so, so that's cool. We'll that's see what something. Happens. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't need that. He doesn't. He's not broken. He doesn't. Right. Doesn't need some dude with a guitar to put him back together he's together (laughs) yeah and i think it's different now i mean just like what you were saying that experience being so visceral and so personal and like intimate at times like yeah really you know with jerry like really kind of uh, there were times where nobody was around you know it was like you and jerry and those lyrics and his guitar and that was it and for lengthy moments of time i mean it's not like that just the two second wave of something hitting you like it's a full version of stella blue he's gone or standing on the moon or whatever it was morning dew like you're just it is you and him and that is that and i haven't really had that with you know i i love fish i love um, freeze. I love all these other bands, but I haven't really, it, there was definitely something about Jerry. Yep. That is unique. Yeah. I, I was never, um, a huge fish fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, when fairly well happened, I was like, okay, this Trey guy is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, yeah. You know, whatever. And, and we went to the forum and saw them after that. And oh, okay. I was, and I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I've missed 30 years of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I've been like just going as often as I possibly can mm-hmm. to see them. And last year at the gorge. Oh, you were at fish at the gorge. Um, yeah. yeah. Last year. Oh, so, so we so were at those shows together too. Weird. We're going to have to hang out. That's but funny. Yep. But at those shows was the closest thing I've had to a dead show experience mm-hmm. since Jerry passed. Hmm. I I felt so inside of it and yeah. and it was that personal really cool like but they're different they're more fun totally and yeah they're 
the dead i always say are like sweet darkness in a lot mm-hmm. of ways mm-hmm. fish is like let's party and let's have some joy yeah and, and trey's gonna poke you once in a while and yeah. smack you in the back of the head and throw a fish at you and remind you to take care of your shoes and <laughs> yeah. here we go but there's still there's some moments man like you know listening to that prince caspian oh god i was i was like oh okay and ryder's been hearing me talk about jerry and the dead for and i've been dragging him to shows and he's like mm-hmm. i don't get it man like what are you talking about yeah and when we came home from fish i was like that's what i meant he was like <laughs> oh okay i get it now <laughs> yeah there was some uh definite blissful moments at that gorge show mm-hmm. or those shows i should say i really like feel you on on being broken and having that community and that's why i say like i i, I didn't buy a bus i i would have loved to have bought a bus <laughs> and um you know i can definitely see some some similarities there to jumping in and getting those just those embraces even if they're not really happening but from that community at those shows and just the brotherhood and sisterhood that that was happening back then and i know you know every every group will talk about the different eras and you know people who <laughs> talk about the what do they call them the touch heads the people who came in after yeah. touch of gray and whatever but just you found your group and being able to see all these people that were just completely in it and having that experience with you and around you was healing yeah it really was yeah and uh, it's weird to hear you say like, I didn't buy a bus. And like, I think that that obviously is a character trait of mine. Like if I find something mm-hmm. and I'm like balls out all and the it's way. A winner, yeah. and, and then, and then like the fire goes out and I'll never touch it again. Mm-hmm. It's weird, man. And I mean, I guess I can use that to my benefit and do, do with it what I will, but it's a strange thing to find that connection at a concert. Like, that's not what I was looking for when mm-hmm. I went there. I was, I don't, wasn't really looking for anything. I was dragged to the show. Somebody gave me a ticket. But, you know, you find this thing and it's cliche. Once in a while, you get shown the light. Yep. Strangest of places, you know. I have that tattooed on my left arm. Oh, shit. <laughs> that, that exact lyric. <laughs> Ah, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's been such a part of all that we've done as a family. The lyrics, the, you know, oh, Mel's home. Um, <laughs> the lyrics and, and the music and going to shows and psychedelics and all of it has been really integral in what we've built mm-hmm. at, as a family. And that openness of communication between all of us and not hiding who we are and what we do has really made it so that I I can honestly say like, I know for a fact, both of my kids are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about Simon, like going off the deep end. He saw me do it. Sydney too. Like they're just not going to do it. There's Mm -hmm. no, there's no mystery there for them. Which is that that's everything that transparency and the ability for you to 
really like be humble in that. And it feels weird to say embrace it, but to really truly be able to embrace that part of yourself still, even though, like you said, like I know you're not thinking about this on a daily basis or anything, but to not run from it, to not have this hidden darkness that your kids are like wondering about or whatever is a whole nother lesson to them, you know? Yeah. Like that, that hasn't been easy because I think most of us, people listening to your show, like we want to be good parents. Yeah. You know, I want to do my best. I want my kids to view me in a favorable light. I want my kids to love me and like me, you know? I, I don't want them to think I'm a flailer or a fuck up. And yeah, but there's been a lot of times that they've seen that. Like I, I'm not perfect, you know, and they know it. And I, I, the thing that stands out to me in what we're talking about right now is like when I've really messed up with both of them, I'll stop afterwards. Like in that moment after when you're alone and you've blown it with your kid. Mm-hmm and your ears are hot and you're embarrassed about how you acted and you yelled or whatever the dumb thing that you did, Mm -hmm. I've gone to them and said, look, I'm sorry. There is no rule book or instruction manual to this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just another person on this planet trying to figure it out, man. I love you. And I'm sorry. I acted like that. Let's move past it. Like I'll try and do better next time. Like that, that that's, all I can do. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think just owning it like that makes it okay for us as parents, like in those moments when you lose your cool or you do the wrong thing, like your kids need to know that they need to hear that because I know I thought my parents had it together. I thought they were Mm grownups, you know, and then you you become older and you find out there is no fucking grownups and nobody's at the wheel. Yeah. We're all just trying to figure it out. So why not let them in on the secret early? Right. So they're totally. not surprised, man. And so that they're not humiliated to the point where they don't want to own up to their stuff and they can't be honest with you. You know, it's it's the monkey see, monkey do at the very baseline of it, really. It's it's teaching them by example of of your own actions of I fucked up and I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I know it. I'm, I have a self-awareness of that and I'm going to learn from doing that and do my best to never do it again. And like you said, like, I love you. I not, none of that has changed at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's, let's move on from that. And I think that is going to be a big game changer for them too. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like I was telling you, my daughter, she just had our grandson Mm -hmm. and honestly, man, like in thinking about myself, like I've come to terms that I'm a dad, right? Yeah. Like I understand that about myself. I'm dad. I've been dad for a long time now, but that's a whole new paradigm. Mm -hmm. That's that's like a, a shift. And I, wow, man, like I'm somebody's grandpa. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like what? 
I and and it made me see my daughter so different, it, mm-hmm. and and it's such a cool thing to like. Now all these years have gone by. All that awful stuff is behind us, and we're enjoying some of the fruit of our labor and and all that. And to have that added thing in there, like Jasper, his name's Jasper. Like, oh, what a great name! He's the coolest thing, and and it doesn't like take away anything from it's just like added in every aspect of all of our lives this beautiful new tapestry mm-hmm. of like wow i'm not just dad yeah <laughs> I, i'm the guy that like they're gonna call when the chips are down and mom mm-hmm. and dad can't pull it off <laughs> you've got a great new title it's crazy yeah it's so crazy but that's, I mean, again, that will add another layer to, I always use the word inception because I think of how, I don't know if you've, if you saw the movie inception, but oh, yeah. it always feels that way with being a parent and being a son to me, I'm always not always, but I, when I think about my dad and I think about me as a kid and then looking at my kids, it starts to get into this weird dimension of all of that and now adding that other layer of you having a being able to now see Sydney as a parent and having a grandchild is that just adds a whole nother cherry layer onto the cake yeah and like we have this situation that we live in this our house you know Mm -hmm. and she went down to LA and created an analog of that down there for Hmm. herself on her own. She has this whole tribe that she lives with and they're really beautiful people, man. And, and, you know, as a dad, my daughter is living in LA on her own. Like, of course I'm worried for her, you know, when she first went down there and I think it was, it was last year or the year before we went down her, my son-in-law is a drummer hmm. in a band and uh, we went down to a party at the place that they, that he lived and they practice at mm-hmm. called the cube in LA. And hmm. uh, I was so struck when I left there, like flying home with Mel, I said, you know, any trepidation I had, any worry I had as a father about my daughter is gone after meeting the people that she's with down there, like she couldn't have done it better. She took everything that she learned at home and put her own spin on it and leveled it up. Wow. What a huge, not just a relief that you're not having to have that kind of worry, but like, yeah, totally. That's another line of that Testament to you guys and what she took away from what you taught her directly and indirectly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah directly yeah there's some really rough stuff in there if you ever get the time go listen to the episode that she was on this show. she she dropped some stuff on us that i didn't even know oh gosh in, yeah in the episode in the episode yeah she she was like yeah dad i remember like you and mom fighting over needles and stuff as i'm standing on the stairs watching you guys and like i didn't know she was there uh-huh so she really saw it all and yeah uh, you know for what it's worth it's it's all turned out 
Okay. And yeah. uh, for Simon, like not this past Father's Day, but the Father's Day before, without him, I would have never started. Well, I don't know about never, who knows, but he bought me the mic for Father's Day hmm. and, and was like, you guys are always out on the porch talking about the Grateful Dead, Dad. Why don't you start a podcast? No way. That's yeah. awesome. So I have him to thank for that, you know? Well, he obviously was clued in on something. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been... <laughs> we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I really want to go to a show with you now, man. Yeah, seriously. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. All right. So humongous appreciation and big giant hugs that I learned. I, I don't know about you, but as as you drained your punk rocker self, <laughs> self but uh, I think I learned how to be a magnificent hugger as a deadhead. Oh, um, yeah. It was just like it was it was a different thing. Like you really immersed yourself in those hugs. I It was just a a completely unbridled, non-romantic or sexual hug of just like ferocity and like pureness. I don't know. I just, and I don't do that with everybody anymore. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, do that to every postman or um, barista, but um, it's the hug for long lost family that you haven't seen in a long time. Totally. It's your brother that, has been on the road for six years and finally comes home and you're like, you're here. Like, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, I got you. It is. So with that, I embrace you over the, uh, Uh, over the internet because I, I I feel like I have absolutely made a new friend tonight. So hell yes, you have. Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me from the porch. Thank you for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So where can where do you want everybody to go find you immediately so that they can see uh, how amazing all of your stuff is? Okay, so get on a plane, come to Portland. I'll pick you up at the airport. <laughs> Perfect. No, uh, yeah. Uh, Instagram is our, our main deal. So at No Simple Road on Instagram. Um, you can also find out what's going on in our little weird community at r forward slash No Simple Road. And then um, nosimpleroad.com is like the hub, the place where all the episodes are up. And um, we have like a calendar of events and there's some stickers available and pins and, you know, cool stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just check it out. Cool. So make sure you guys check out No Simple Road in all of those ways. Follow them and find that podcast. Subscribe to it. You guys release your episodes every two weeks? Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Well, yeah. depending. Like sometimes we go to shows and I'm worn out on Sunday and then they come <laughs> out Monday. But most of the time I try on Sunday. Yeah. Weekly show. And yep. and not too far from hitting that hundred mark. So they're Getting the real it, deal. I just found out today, actually, our one hundredth episode will be being released the day after the Dead and Company Gourd shows. Oh wow! It comes out like that on the calendar, so stay tuned. Wow, that's perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Aaron. I just I appreciate you having me on, man. This has been really really cool for me. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
Okay, and that ends this episode with Aaron from No Simple Road. What a great experience and a great conversation with truly somebody that I just felt like we super connected during that conversation and had a lot in common. I hope that you guys got some of those connections and got something out of this episode as well and learned a little bit about how meaningful and important and beneficial that humility and honesty is, like not just as parents, but in our relationships with others, like stripping away some of that stuff, what it can do and how real it can make those things. I I felt that so heavily during this conversation and Uh, I am absolutely going to walk away with that in the forefront of my mind and try to remember that on a daily basis. Like if we all did that with one another, what that would mean in our relationships and how much more rich and real they would be is just like almost I I almost can't imagine it. So uh, maybe we all can do some work on that. So make sure you find No Simple Road in all those ways that I know they are very big on their Instagram as well. And so you should check them out there and find when they are coming and they do live podcasts and such. So for those of you who are in the PNW, maybe you can find them and go check them out locally. And I will tell you the daddy unscripted podcast, which does not do any live podcasts. Maybe at some point I will, but You can find me in all the places on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, all as Daddy Unscripted. You can use my email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. And you can drop me a line in any of those places. Let me know what you thought of this show or of others. Let me know of somebody you would like me to talk with. I always say that. And I know that I say this every time, but it would be awesome for you guys to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It does help other people find the podcast, so that would be great. And as I usually do, I give you guys another podcast in the Osiris Podcast Network to check out towards the end of one of my episodes. And tonight is just all No Simple Road. So really, they have so many cool guests and so many great artists and musicians that they talk with and it is it is like nothing else really because it is these people just being 100% natural in these conversations with them and because it's not just one person sitting and talking with them it's just it's so unique and different and so I guarantee you that if there is somebody that you have heard an interview with on anything else, on a TV show, on radio, on another podcast, it has not been like it is on No Simple Road. So make sure you guys check them out. They are on every podcast app and Spotify, everything. So check out No Simple Road. And let me just say, like I always do, a huge thank you to Umphreys McGee for allowing me to have their beautiful music on the podcast, in the background, in the front end, in the back end of the podcast episode (laughs) thank you umphreys mcgee for letting me have you in the back end is how that just came off for a second sorry so again thank you guys for listening and now i as i did i welcomed you in the language of basque or 
Basque or however you say that. Did I even say it differently? So now I will say farewell to you in that language. Ehunan is andesezola, which means have a nice day in Basque. I think I got that right. It was really, uh, it was a difficult one, but I think I nailed it on the landing. The uh, southern French judge gave me like a 7.3 on that though whatever so thank you guys i hope you guys all have a great rest of the week whenever you are listening to this and the next episode should be out in another couple weeks or so so thanks again (laughs) 